I reached out to a lot of you on Instagram and Facebook and requested that you send me topics so that we can get this thing going. And one of the topics of discussion was going to be um, broken dating. And I've been trying to do this episode for a while now. And people have been like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll sit down and do it. Oh, I haven't do it or whatever. Um, so I, I guess we're going to postpone that episode. But we definitely need to have a conversation about it. On the flip side to that, after today's episode, you can expect to have an episode about materialism versus being bougie. Um, we're going to have an episode about blackness and activism and uh, coins because those are the conversations that matters. This is the Broke Black Bougie podcast where we talk about brokenness, blackness, and bougie experiences, but more so where we have conversations about life, money, and wellness for young black women. And so it's important to have that conversation because in the space of blackness, activism exists and it is a black history year. So we're definitely going to have a topic of discussion um, that highlights this on the podcast. But today, I really wanted to come here to have a conversation um, that hints towards uh, credit building because one of you reached out and said, you know, we really want to figure out how to keep a 800 credit score or at least be in the 700s. And so in my journey through Brooklyn, I talked a little bit about my experience being an individual who had really great credit to an individual that sunk down to poor credit due to um, a string of things, right? And so I'm going to resurface that episode um, have it be a little bit more personal because I actually have, uh, what do you call it? My, my letters of when shit hit the fan. Um, and I still wasn't a fan (laughs) of what I was going through. So today I'm going to dedicate an episode to talk about credit building and helping those get back on track because clearly, uh, when you get out of whack, you know how to get back on track. Hopefully you do. We'll just get into it. <laughs> so I was surfing through the internet the other day and I came across Cash Daw. For those of you who don't know, Cash Daw is definitely a uh, goddess, but she is a rapper um, uh, who is out of Detroit. And she's extremely talented. So she's like 27 years of age. Um, She started off as a uh, dancer and decided to pursue her music career. You know, she made a bag off of music and then she was like, you know, this is something that I really wanted to do. And a lot of women follow her because she always tends to give the womanly's perspective, especially when we talk about hood narratives and shit that goes on in our experiences. Um, but more so than that, like her her testament um, is really beautiful because she is a multimillionaire and she also is doing very lovely and gives beautiful lessons for women on how they can get their shit together. Case in point. Um, I think it was a couple months back, she was a participant on The Real, and she was talking about how important it is to build your credit. Because for many of us, if we come from low-income communities or spaces where we're not having conversations about credit, right, but we know that if you have fucked up credit, then 
it's just you're not going to get too far. Um, she talked about the importance of being a boss. And you can't really be a boss if you don't have credit. So what she was saying is there was a time where she was spending cash, 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 cash on any anything. I guess that speaks to being cash, y'all. Um, but when she started to build her credit, she started to see more doors open up for her and how important it was to make sure that if you want to access certain things, you have to have a reputable credit score and make sure that you take care of that score so that you continue to be considered a... Um, a responsible person to lend to. And after uh, watching that episode, I thought it was very important because a lot of, you don't see a lot of rappers having conversations about credit. You know, you'll see people being very braggadocio. Um, shout out to religion and hip hop. Um, you'll see people, by the way, that's a class that I took in undergrad that really changed my perspective and and, and, and made me un- unpack a lot more when it comes to hip-hop music. Um, you'll see a lot of rappers speak to the things that they have, uh, you know, how much riches they, 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 they lean on, how they sleep good at night. You just hear a lot of shit in rap lyrics. And money and access and opportunity is definitely a foundation to that. And so when we start to look at what it means to have stability, right, um, or see a, a very popular figure talk about the importance of credit, that's something that we definitely need to lean on and lean into because having good credit is important. And as somebody who has seen both sides of having good credit, having fair credit, and having poor credit, I think it's important to have a conversation on how to navigate those spaces and how you arrive at a place where it's just like, eh, you know, you really need to think things through. So to start, what I'm going to do is I had my papers out and what my papers were were just like notices from my creditor a credit card companies telling me that I needed to pay up or they was gonna fuck me up and um I discovered these papers again because I was cleaning and I decided that I wanted to keep them um about three to four years ago I got into this situation which we're definitely going to unpack but like most people where they could just take their shit and just throw it away. I decided to keep it because once I was on the other side, I knew that I could look back on this, have it be a testament to my journey, and actually help somebody else through who may be dealing with um, creditors running <laughs> running from them and uh, just having their credit card sink, uh, excuse me, credit card, credit score sinking. So I want to unpack a little bit about how I got there and uh highlight to y'all these letters because it's really real like it's it's not a game and um it's so important to take care of your shit so you don't end up in a rut because like cash doll said the, the key to being a boss is making sure you got your shit together and if your credit is not that good then you you definitely not doing what you need to do for those of you who caught the first couple of episodes of the podcast and my journey through Brooklyn, you'd know that I highlight my story of dealing with credit card debt and just finding myself repeatedly robbing Peter to pay ball. Um, My experience with credit cards was a journey that began when I started in undergrad, really wanting to build credit for myself, but also have an emergency fund. And I think my perspective of using my cars for emergencies 
uh, was exactly where I went wrong because in utilizing my credit, it was always swiped to take care of things that I found to be an emergency. And those things were like food insecurities and wanting to provide and help. When I realized I was in spaces at home that just weren't necessarily ideal. And as a result, I ended up spending a lot of money I didn't have over the course of, damn it, technically 2014, 2015, and 2016, and in the end, graduating with credit card debt and having all of these things catch up with me. I've been there, done that. I've been the individual who has hid from creditors, yelled at them, cursed them out, tried to say, you know, sis don't live here anymore. Um, I've ignored all types of correspondence. I've actually engaged at one moment, writing letters to them, letting them know of my financial hardships. Because life happens and shit gets real. Shit is real, y'all. Um, oh, it's funny because I, I said that to keep it real, y'all. But the shit is really real. I need to find out where that song is from. Anywho, old school hip-hop. Shout out to, to old school 90s hip-hop. But nevertheless, I found myself dealing with Having a good credit score or a very good credit score, at one time I was at 746, and then I experienced being in the 600s. I experienced my credit score dwindling all the way down to the (laughs) 530s, and the access to credit and credit lines that I had and being a credible borrower becoming somebody who now has to rebuild their credit and cleaning up messes. If I knew then what I knew now, I probably would have been a little bit more intentional with my experience. And so in dedicating this episode to building credit, I think the first thing to understand is what is your purpose of building your credit, right? If you're an individual who wants to use a credit card for emergencies, you probably don't need a credit card because if you can build the money on your own with your cash, you'll probably be more responsible to build that money and take care of money that is just sitting there, right, Um, that is provided with your lenders. So the first thing I would advise is to really know your purpose. The second thing is be responsible. Everybody says keep your credit utilization score under 30%. That is for all the credit lines you have open. You want to keep your credit utilization rate under 30%. My first credit card that I ever had was from Discover It, and the maximum I had on that limit was $500, rightfully so, because I was uh, a first-year college student. I didn't really have money that I was making, but I had access to a credit line. And for a time being, I was able to keep it under $150. You know, I would have Netflix, 
a bill on there. Um, I did little like petty cash for things that I needed. Um, and I was able to pay those things back in full and that helped to build my credit gracefully. But the moment I decided that I wanted to put more, more, um, items on my credit card, uh, which really was nothing much more than just grocery bills and uh, trying to supplement uh, as an adult for providing for issues that um, my household at home was going through, it started to pick up my credit utilization. And so to improve my credit utilization, I ended up opening up another credit card Um, This time with a higher limit and with having access to 1500 across credit lines, the money that I was spending didn't look too bad. But the truth was, I was spending money that I couldn't afford to pay back. And as a first generation student, I found that to be extremely hard because we find ourselves in spaces sometimes where we want to give what we don't have and we don't have the bandwidth for. And it does nothing more than technically backfire on us or it becomes a lesson that we live to tell. Right. So I live to tell and this is definitely my story. But realistically speaking, um, I felt the need to show up in certain spaces, even when I didn't have it, to resolve issues that were definitely bigger than me and bigger what I was able to uh, support for my family during the time when we went through um, having to go without, right? Uh, And typically what anybody does with credit cards is when they're at their lowest, when they've run out of cash, when they are financially not where they need to be, individuals rely on their credit cards to help them through in the meantime and between time. And if you don't take care of what you're using your credit for in the meantime and between time, you don't have to worry. For sure, these things will catch up with you. Um, At the end of 2016, I found myself having three credit cards um, and being backed up with all of them because I was doing and completing the same habits with each of the cards, robbing Peter to pay Paul and trying to show up in spaces where I didn't have the bandwidth to resolve certain issues. I always say, you would even hear me say this in the episode of um, my journey through Brokeland, my experience with credit card debt was one that was morally, (laughs) morally fueled, but not, you know, morally fueled, well, well, well intentions, but not beneficial to um, getting my shit together and in order. And as a result, that harmed me because most creditors, when they're lending you money, they're not looking at what you're utilizing the money for. They don't care that you're helping to support family, helping to lend a helping hand. Um, They don't care that you're a first generation college student. Most of them don't even care if you're a damn shopaholic or somebody who has to have the latest trends. What they care about is how you utilize your credit and if you're able to pay them back in a timely manner. 
in full. A lot of people will be like, well, you know, um, I pay back the minimum. Paying the minimum is not always good because it tax on interest. So whereas the minimum may work for you because you you recognize that you're spending money that you can't afford and you can't pay everything back. So you pay it a little bit at a time if you're even doing that much. For them, it works because it's just like for your lenders, they're getting money off of the money that you're using. And um, when you're not able to pay that money back, it definitely reflects negatively on you. They don't care about the reason. All they care about is that you're a person who borrowed and you cannot pay back the bill. So when you find yourself in a space being an individual who is who is utilizing credit, but you're not necessarily able to keep up with your payments and you're experiencing some financial hardship, there are three things you need to do. The first thing lies in transparency. You have to be transparent about your situation. I always say this, I think transparency is key in any situation, but the reality is transparency will help you get through. How did you arrive here? In my situation, I overextended myself and I had to pay the price for it. You know, what mattered to me was even at the time, if I took a hit, I just wanted to make sure that the people that I loved and care about weren't going without life's necessities, that we had food, that we had Um, basic things that we need in order to maneuver through our day-to-day activities. Number two, what's extremely important is that you figure out a game plan. Game plans are not always easy because it requires you to face the music. And if you're an individual who's not ready to face the music, which is definitely number three, which is stop running, period, stop fucking running from these creditors, then you're going to be in a space where you prolong the process of getting back on track. I was cleaning up my room um, a couple weeks ago. I always find myself having to clean, re-clean, clean, re-clean. And I found a whole bunch of papers that spoke to my journey and <laughs> my beginning of journey of struggle life um, and fuck adulting and broke land. Uh, and most of them were surrounding like credit card companies I owed. So I had three credit cards. I had all of these correspondence. And one of the letters, um, the, the reason why I decided to keep it is because I did not open the letter when I received it. I received it in 2016 and I remember opening it up in like 2017 and realized that they sent me a letter that I could have avoided having a account being charged off if I picked up the phone or shot an email to let them know what was going on and why I wasn't current with my account. Thankfully, um, because I was so broke and didn't have a credit limit that was like ten thousand or fifteen thousand dollars, I only had a credit limit of at least three thousand five hundred the most. So dealing with um, credit card debt that's damn near close to four thousand dollars when you've never seen that money all in once in your account, it can be a little uh, frustrating and overwhelming and. Um, very like how am I going to fix 
this shit because now it's something that I can't run away from and it definitely can impact my future. The key to not allowing it to impact your future is being realistic with your circumstances. First and foremost, being realistic with your circumstances and being open to what you can work with. If you have an account that is over $1,000 for each of these credit card companies and they're telling you the most you can make are $250 to keep your account current, you need to be able to barter with them and let them know your situation. Let's say you only got $100 to your name. You need to tell their asses you can make $5 or $10 or $20 a month. And the way you do that is thoroughly explain your situation, what you're going through, if you're transitioning or in between jobs, if you were using it as emergency money um, because you fell on hard times. And most of them have no choice but to actually work with you. For those who don't, they just simply don't have a heart. They just want that money. Number three. And I already revealed number three early on in talking about like creating a game plan for yourself. Um, It's really important that you make the decision to not run because running doesn't solve anything. If you have $3,000 in debt that you created yesterday, running for them only increases the amount of debt that you have And still, those debts are tied to your social security number, which is your identifier, which is tied to everything in terms of what you're getting able, what you're able to get approved for, um, who you owe, right? The type of money you have coming in. All of these things are tied together. If I knew then what I knew now, I probably would have been a little bit more consistent and um, realistic with myself because my plan in, in undergrad was to leave my hometown and pursue education elsewhere. And although that did happen, the transition for me was extremely hard because I had credit card debt, because my accounts were being dinged and I should have never let them have access to my accounts. Um, but more so than that, I also found myself um, extremely depressed because I felt like I got into a situation that I couldn't get out of. And at the time, my mentality was not where it needed to be. My funds were not where it needed to be. And it was just like, I'm not one of those people who were spending money to go on fucking vacations and trips. I was just trying to solve a problem. But you know, sometimes solving a problem is not even enough to make the situation end. Um, And so, yes, I found myself (laughs) running like shit and uh, still faced with the same issues. And so the struggles of not being able to uh, pay off my credit cards and ignoring correspondence led to me being served with papers by Capital One. It led to me uh, having to deal with the court system. 
And that was very frustrating because I felt like, how did I get here? Like nothing is cute when people owe you and you're being sued for, you know, what you perceived as Trump change. But because your failure to comply and be transparent with your situation has led you to be here as a newly first generation college graduate in some bullshit with their credit. Um, for 2014, 2015, and 2016, those were definitely years of, um, being illly advised and not staying on top of practicing great financial habits. And as a result, no matter what the intention behind my decisions were, um, I found myself having to work through these things in grad school in 2017 and 2018 and becoming drastically, okay, when I say drastically, like, oh my God, um, depressed to the point of no return because any amount of independence that I would have had or any amount of function to show that I was reputable um, as a person to live in an apartment or to get a vehicle or to take out a loan was stripped from me. And when I needed my good credit to show up the most, I was cleaning that message and the good credit was no more. So I say this to say that the mistakes that you make early on will definitely impact you later. And if you don't take care of these things, if you're not responsible, if you're not um, really willing to unpack your messes and clean these shits up, they will follow you in spaces and ages where eh, you don't want them problems. I'm glad that um, from my experience, I went through it as early as I did. Uh, because I'd be damned to be in my late 20s having these problems and being like, fuck the world when it's like, at those ages, you know better, or you should know better, you should have you should have been taught better, you should have experienced something that put you on the right track. So you won't have to experience these things. And with age, they say comes wisdom. Um, and comes, uh, a different level of responsibility and understanding. But I'm glad. <laughs> I'm just going to say this. I'm glad that um, I went through my experience in my early 20s because it definitely set the tone of what the fuck not to do later on. So if you are an individual in undergrad, you're in your young 20s, you're trying to figure shit out, you need to practice safe habits. If the feeling of having $2,000 accessible to you on a credit card or $5,000 or $10,000 accessible to you on a credit card, but you've never been able to keep $10,000 in your bank account and that excites you and it sparks you and you feel like, oh, I'm in the money. I got dough. I got access to all of these things. If that hypes you, maybe you need to have them lower your credit limit because the hypeness around it, the temptness around it, you being tempted to uh, spend that money or show up in ways that you really cannot for people will lead you into a hole where you have to <sighs> dig yourself out. 
And that's not a fun experience to be in. So here are a few questions that were asked to me um, about my journey. And they're a little bit more specific. So shout out to y'all for asking these questions so that I could help assist out. Okay. The first question I received was, when did you know that shit hit the fan when it came to your credit? Like, when did you know? That you were fed up. Um, I knew I was fed up when my ability to use my credit cards were stopped. And I was not able to even log in and access my accounts to see where I was in standing. Because the accounts just didn't exist anymore. And my credit score... Jumped from dropped, not jumped, but dropped from a seven to a five. So I knew that it was just a done done, a sun done (laughs) deal for me. And um, I never wanted to feel that imprisoned by not having. My finances in order, and also being very overwhelmed by being incomplete. I'll just say that I just being in that situation made me feel really incomplete and very overwhelming. Like this is never gonna get fixed. And looking back on it now, the coins that I owed was chump change, but I wasn't making enough. And during that time, I felt like. Being in school full time, working with the money I did have, um, where my priorities were, uh, how I was stretching my money, it just wouldn't have worked for the money that I owed back. And knowing that I did it out of love to take care of uh, what I felt were necessities um, in my household during the time, helping out family, that was more important to me. So even if it was something that I was going through and it was very frustrating because it was like, I'm not receiving any help or I'm trying to clean up this mess and dig myself out. At the end of the day, I learned a very, very valuable lesson about you have to be willing to help yourself and put yourself first before you're able to lean in and help other people. And so if you had never dealt with a certain amount of money before, then you have no business dealing with that and borrowing it because you don't know how to manage that money, right? So you're bound to mess up when you're in uncharted territories and you don't really know how to handle it, but you're trying to handle it. You feel what I'm saying? It gives you more wiggle room to slip up. Then when you know it, when you know how to master some coins and you know how to make shit work, Nowadays, that damn near $4,000 would be perceived as light work. Another one of you asked me a question uh, about do I regret um, what I spent my credit card coins, because <laughs> damn sure weren't my coins, but my credit card coins on. Um, I don't. And I think this ties into the experience of 
first generation students. Like when you're in a space where you pursue higher education because you think that this is the way to change a family dynamic of struggle, right, in your life and you see that, even though those those type of conversations about what it means to elevate are ingrained in us through uh power structures. It's important for you to also understand where you come from. And so I, like I said, was born and raised in Rochester, New York. And although most of my family was Southern, from like Chowderhoochee and Evergreen, Alabama and other parts uh, of the South, a lot of my family came up to the North for opportunity. And um, the opportunity (laughs) that they saw slowly but surely did turn into just like stagnant um, and very impoverished settings for us to be in. So they grew up in poverty, right? They seek a better life and then they too experience a different form of poverty or not really having access to um, wages that are livable and growth and stability. And so when you live in a constant space where everybody around you is taking a stop to um, a food cupboard or uh, they're trying to get assistance. You know, some people don't even want to claim being in a low income community or receiving the help, although they always have conversations about people not having money and really stretching to make ends meet and making something out of nothing. Like you start to figure out, all right, well, I want to figure out how I could put people on or how I can help so my family never needs for nothing, right? And I think the most troubling thing being a first generation and starting is like when you're at that starting point of entering, right, a university, the perception is already that you have arrived and that you've made it. Even if you're not finished yet, it's that you're there. Being there is symbolic, and sometimes the perception is you're 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 further along than you are, right? And so during the holidays, during Thanksgiving, during Christmas, during Kwanzaa, um, you have conversations with your family or you see certain things that are just not together when you go back home. And the difference between me and other first generation students who I went to school with is that this is weren't these weren't all of their stories. Like all of our families experienced struggle, but for some families, our struggle was very different. That's because their family probably was peeped game on to like financial literacy and putting into practices on how to like have healthy money management conversations and how to be there and lean on family. Like those conversations were definitely, definitely existed. And they lived a very different lifestyle in terms of how they leaned on resources and um, utilized each each other in comparison to what I saw, right? Um, so in my experience, when I would go home for the holidays and I would see things, um, it rubbed me the wrong way. Like you, you come home, you live down the street, you're living in this bubble of university life and you see that the refrigerator is empty. You see that people are aggy because they're not eating. People are trying to sleep, right? Their hunger away. And 
nobody has the means of getting any access to food because resources that have just been tapped in. And this is the second week in a month that we've experienced this. So you're an individual who is starting to build your credit, right? And you have access to some funds. What are you going to do? And those decisions, it wasn't about me trying to flex or me trying to be, I guess, you know, in a way, Captain Sabo. Um, and don't think of that negative because Captain Sabo is like just da, 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 just trying to be there and show up for people. Um, in many ways, I just didn't want us to have to deal with that. And so swiping my card for me didn't bother me until it did, right? Until it was like, well, how am I going to pay this stuff back? Like, I guess we got what we needed out of it. And now that we can't utilize it anymore because my credit is fucked up or because I can't pay back in order to use the funds again, now I'm in deep doo-doo. I regret not thoroughly planning it out, you know. Um, I regret trying to solve all the issues that were beyond me, right, that I couldn't, um, quite frankly, solve with a little bit of chump change, but I don't regret doing it, right? Um, I regret the experiences that came after, um, but I don't regret making sure that niggas was eating, (laughs) essentially, you know, because that's what's important to me. And I don't think anybody deserves to live in poverty or to go without food or to go without things that were important to them. So you hear people all the time, like I always emphasize this, I even said this in the main segment where like people swipe for stupid shit, they want to look good, they want to pop out, they want to do all of this shit. I never once had anything named brand other than some fucking school supplies and maybe a a laptop that I needed, right? Um, But for me, most of that shit was household supplies and life necessities. I guess household supplies is tied into that. But that's what was important to me. (sighs) Sorry for the long-winded answer, but I mean, you live to tell. The second question is, not the second question. The third question is, would you ever do credit again? Credit card, a line of credit, bada boom, bada bean, would you ever do it again? Well, this whole episode was inspired by a cash dog conversation on the reel. And also a young woman who reached out via um, the talk box on Instagram saying that like I should do an episode dedicated to this. And the truth be told is like, I definitely would like to have um, a credit card and do credit again. For the past couple of years, I've been doing things by cash, of course, um, because I've been cleaning up messes and my sole responsibility is building healthy habits, right? But I damn sure would do it again. And, And rebuilding my credit, I've seen progress. Um, I definitely have helped and reached out to other young women to be like, I, if you're in this situation or you're experiencing credit, your credit in a way that you see it sinking, here's what you can do to intervene or, you know, don't go through the experience that I went through. So I think it's very important to be able to say that like credit is not the enemy. You know, there are some people who have way more net worth than me um, 
who people follow and they listen to and they be like, uh, credit is, you're teaching people to keep credit. That is terrible. Cash is king, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, people have different perspectives on how to navigate the financial space. But I think for me, credit is essentially important in order to access a mortgage in order to build generational wealth in order to have access to shit and low APR rates and be able to build without stress. Because when you make mistakes, you're often building with the stress of knowing that they're going to charge you more and knowing you're paying for your mistakes. And for me, I want to be able to be at a place where I'm back to stability, right? And that I'm stabilized, that I'm regulators, Um, (laughs) that, you know, my shit is regulated to the point where I'm content where I definitely would do credit again. You get older, you want to do some things on credit. You want to be able to 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 rebuild um and heal the wounds that were caused earlier, right? And it's easier said than done, but I'm very grateful. Again, I'll say this again that I had the experience of this happening to me early on in my journey. Then more so later on when it's like you shouldn't technically be having these experiences you should know better and there comes a time where we should know better and I feel like I'm there right so definitely yes my fourth question that I received was how did you talk to your family about your feelings or the experiences that you had in your journey through Brokeland um As I was going through it, I would say these conversations were extremely hard. Um, That's because I would bring these questions to the forefront. And I think this is definitely something that could spill into another podcast episode, which it will. Um, But it was like, (laughs) folks would get aggy. Like I would have a conversation with my sister Toya and my mommy and be like, this is what's going on. And I'm just very upset and I don't know what to do. And sometimes I felt like my mom would be like, well, nobody told you to do this. You know, I would always be like, no, but I'm like, your stomach would always be like, yes. Right. Like sometimes we tell ourselves no, because it sounds good, but our body is telling us we need to be nurtured. You know, as much as we act like we don't, we don't want no help or things are going to be all right because we done survived without having shit before like oh everything is just going to be perfectly okay no no like hell no um I think trying to have those conversations was hard even when I was on the journey of like well I want to create generational wealth and I want to figure out how to be better and we need to figure out our habits as a family and introducing those conversations it was hard because people are not receptive to you telling them shit that you see that that is wrong or how it has harmed you or how um, you see something that may need a changing that may help us, you know, live a different lifestyle. Like you, you don't see, I'm not going to say you don't see those things. You may see certain things and other people not be receptive to it because their perception of what's going on is very different. I had a very hard time with that. Um, and I think it wasn't until there's like a big blow up 
as always, you know, sometimes you have big blow ups and um, I started really talking about how the our experiences and poverty definitely shaped um, my experiences maneuvering my financial wellness journey as an adult and tying those things together and realizing the the situations we were in, right? The experiences we were having and how I ended up being, and my sister too ended up being individuals who were just cleaning up messes. Um, Then it was just like, all right, we done took some time to think about this. We done revisited this conversation multiple times. Now it clicks. So it took a while for us to unpack and understand and get a grasp on what was uh, bothering um, me and my experience <laughs> with the with the credit cards. But um, when those conversations were received... Um, no matter if it came a little bit later, it definitely helped me heal, uh, in terms of being able to move past those, those experiences, right? Be transparent about what it was and why I did what I did and how we could resolve, you know, or, or, or take the load off or be able to access resources so that we weren't hanging on a string, essentially. Um, yeah. So those are all the questions that I have. Um, if there are any other questions that you may have that I didn't answer on, uh, this episode or that I didn't necessarily highlight or you would like me to unpack, let me know. I think it may be a good idea to type up like what not to do when your credit is sinking. I think that that's a great thing that I should prepare for you guys on the website because I'm a person who's, who's lived the experience. I know what it feels like to go from good to bad to good again. So, um, yeah, I just welcome uh the conversation and hope we continue it because like we like Cash Daw said, in order for you to be a boss, you gotta have that shit in order. A lot of us wanna claim boss shit, but so many areas of our life is just like that's not that's not that's not boss moves. That's that's not a boss not saying it's not a boss experience, but like when we understand what a boss is, like uh <laughs> most bosses don't have them type of problems. You know, you have to lead by example. And sometimes leading by example is being able to bounce back from setbacks, but preventing those setbacks from happening. Y'all already know what it is. This was a long ass segment. All right. I had to split it up into two. It's me talking. My mouth is dried out. Got to drink some water. It's to catch a coin, you know, so you can do your thing. Keep my coins. Do some change for a little bit of change. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, so we're just going to get into it. I think that the basis of this discussion is just practicing happy, 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 happ
is practicing healthy habits so that you can keep your credit score where it wants to be. We tend to forget that like at the end of the day, our credit score is determined by multiple factors, credit utilization, rate uh, rate to credit, um, uh, debt to um, credit ratio, um, how many lines of credit we have open, what's the most recent time we applied to credit, age of credit, um, mistakes with credit, right? And there's a separation between our FICO and then there's a separation between our Vantage. And Vantage and FICO um, actually compete with each other and they use two different formulas to give you a credit rating. So sometimes you might go to a lender and instead of them pulling your FICO, you need to ask what rating do you use? Because if they pull your Vantage, you may be a dun-dun, a sun-dun. So you need to actually make sure you know these things, right? But the basis of this story is to just make sure that you do what you can to practice healthy habits and have a healthy outcome with your score. It's better to fall, to slip a little bit and get back up and to fall all the way down and have to work your way back up, right? Um... And in this segment of To Catch a Coin, I think the best thing I can say uh, in terms of credit and to just make sure you keep a coin in your wallet is practice healthy habits now so you won't have to pay for bad habits later. High APR rates, getting declined, having to come out of cash more. Um, having to take a longer time to save up to, to, to get the things you want, um, buying everything with cash rather than getting things out on credit and having to show less money up front later. Like those are pluses of having good credit, like showing less money, having to pay less money up front, um, and having good credit work for you versus your bad, you working for your bad credit. Right. Um, so the behaviors that you install in yourself now and that you practice now will pay off later. And the sooner you get that through your head, it'll be easier for you to maneuver, maneuver adulthood. Like half of the reason why I think adulting is trash is because of the experiences I went through due to my jacked up credit, you know? So it's like, it is really ghetto when your shit is not in order, but it can be really great when you start to take charge in clean up the shit that you need to work on.